Well, praise God. We know the Word of God stands strong. Amen. Let's look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And uh, we're going to read uh, all 10 verses, and we'll take verse 2 as our text verse. We want to share a message entitled, A Reason to Give Thanks. Uh, while you're opening your Bible up there, just want to remind you that midweek service this week will be on Tuesday night rather than Wednesday, okay? So Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock, we'll have our Thanksgiving service here uh, in the sanctuary, and so we want you to be a part of that. Uh, going to share some good testimonies together, sing some so favorite songs together, and rejoice in the goodness of our God. Amen. So it's Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. and uh, this week. Reason to give thanks. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse one. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of Thessalon uh, the Thessalonians, uh, which in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and of the Holy Ghost, in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believed in Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith that God word is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. Uh, Lord, just thanking the Lord and, and rejoicing in the goodness of our God that we can know how to be saved and uh, know that uh, God is real and that life has a real reason and purpose in it. And uh, Lord, certainly as we're approaching Thanksgiving, it reminds us, Lord, as we read the word of God, uh, to be grateful, uh, Lord, to be thankful. We have many reasons why we can be thankful this morning. And so I pray that you'd stir our hearts uh, this morning with a, a fresh anointing and move of God upon us. May the Holy Spirit have his free will and way in each of our lives. And Lord, we think of those that will be baptized this morning. We pray that God will just continue to direct and lead their lives. And I pray, Lord, that everything that will be done in this place will be a testimony of the grace of God. And so I pray for your blessings this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 2. He says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Reason uh, to give thanks. Um, uh, 2020 certainly has proved to be a challenging year, and uh, to say the least. And uh, certainly it is uh, very easy for us to fall into the trap of losing a spirit of gratitude 
uh, to our God for the many things that he has done in spite of uh, COVID-19 and everything else that is going on in 2020. Uh, it certainly has caused us uh, many times to disconnect completely with the reality of what God can do and will do, and, and also in reference to the goodness of God. And um, James chapter 1 and verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That's your next verse to put up there, Daniel. And uh, so we have a tendency to get so flooded with the circumstances and difficulties in life uh, that we forget that God is still raining and showering his blessings upon us and his goodness upon us. And we rejoice in the goodness of God. This afternoon for our uh, discussion panel, we're going to be talking about Psalm 100. What a great psalm. Uh, in reference to offering thanksgiving and praise to our God. And I think sometimes we forget that, wait a minute, there are still blessings coming from the throne room of heaven. Uh, there is still a God that is all-powerful. He's sovereignly in control of everything. And uh, he certainly can bless and will bless in spite of all these things that we have to face and go through. Andrew Murray had said this, uh, let us thank God uh, heartily as often as we pray that we have his spirit in us to teach us to pray. Thanksgiving will draw our hearts out to God and keep us engaged with him. And it will take an attention from ourselves and give the spirit room in our hearts. And how we need to stay connected and focused on the Lord uh, because uh, the world is ever-changing, everything is falling apart, and if we just look at those things, we'll start to think that life isn't worth living. They say the suicide rate is skyrocketing in America right now among teenagers, and uh, the sad thing is they've lost hope. Uh, they've lost the sense that, wait a minute, life is worthwhile going on and living and experiencing, and the sad thing is oftentimes we as Christians fall into that trap. And it is still worthwhile to praise the Lord. Amen. It is still beneficial to say thank you and to rest in the goodness of our God and allowing our gratitude to be drawn closer to the Lord. And James is clear about it. We draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to us. And so God is near. God is with us. He'll never abandon us nor forsake us. Charles Stanley said this, Gratitude produces deep abiding joy because we know that God is working in us even through difficulties. And uh, so many times we allow the circumstances in life to rob us of our joy. It just beats us down. Life It seems like life beats us down to a point where we just can't be happy in Christ anymore. But our joy is in the Lord. It's not found in, in, in this world. It's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so we need to focus on Christ and look for the reasons to give thankfulness and show gratitude uh, during this time of the year, certainly and throughout the whole year. So Paul says we give thanks to God always for you all. And then he, through the chapter, starts identifying the reasons why he was thankful. Notice, first of all, in verse 3, he was thankful for their attitude. In verse 3, he says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, 
in the sight of God and our Father. And so their attitude uh, was impressive upon uh, the Apostle Paul, and he rejoiced and gave thanks when he considered his attitude. First of all, their attitude produced a work of faith. He says, remembering without ceasing, uh, without ceasing your work of faith. And we think about the work of faith. Uh, you know, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, now, uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so a work of faith is being able to face the impossibilities. It's being able to know what, when everything seems like there is no hope, you can still face the possibilities of what God can and will do in your life to overcome those things. I, re I really just had a good time last week with Dr. Shoemaker, and uh, we're able to go out to eat and fellowship together and uh, just talking about the things in the work of God, just talking about ex life experiences and just thinking about all the different ways that God miraculously has provided in my life. And he shared things how God had provided in his life and how God did things that were beyond man's reasonable perception of how it could take place. It was impossible. And I know my wife and I went to Bible college. It was impossible for us to pay for our bills, but God took care of us out there going down and starting a church. Impossibilities. God took care of us and provided for us. And all through, whatever it is that we go through, if we have the right spirit, we have the right attitude, we can have a work of faith because we realize, yes, life does present to us impossibilities. And if we're going to be able to overcome those impossibilities, we have to have the faith to believe that God is in control. And we don't live and make decisions based on what we see. We make decisions based on what we believe. And oftentimes, it's what happens. We fall into this trap of trying to assess life and evaluate circumstances. And if this gets in place and this happens over here, then we'll, we'll make this decision. But wait a minute, where's God in this whole thing? And so we'll lose our joy. We'll lose our sweet attitude. Uh, we'll lose a spirit of faith if we look to the circumstances in life. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so we have a, he rejoiced and was thankful for their work of faith because they were willing to face the impossible. Because they were willing to face the impossible through faith, they were over to, able to overcome the obstacle. And there's always hurdles that you have to overcome in life. There's always uh, oppositions that you'll have to uh, overcome and we need to be able to overcome the obstacles that come into our life, uh, no matter what is going on. And we need to be thankful that God can give the victory. John chapter 16 in verse 33 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And so the way we overcome obstacles in life is that we're aware of the fact that uh, we can have peace in the midst of storms because it is Christ who has given us the ability to get through the storm. It is Christ who is with us in the storm. When Jesus came walking on the water in the middle of the night as the disciples were tossed about to and fro, uh, and Peter would cry out to him, bid me come, and Jesus just says one thing, come. 
and he's able to come and get and and Jesus would uh, uh, deliver him when he took his eyes off of Christ. He started to sink in the water, and it was Jesus. It was because he took his eyes off of Christ, and he started looking at the waves. He looked at the wind. He saw the conditions, and as a result of it, he lost faith. Now listen. No matter what the obstacle is in life, you must keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Why? Because this world, you will have tribulation. This world has been filled with tribulation. You think of just all the way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had to face tribulation. They had to face problems and difficulties because they took their eyes off of their God. They believed the lie of the devil. They ate of the fruit, forbidden fruit, and immediately judgment and wrath and chastisement came upon them and tribulation passed upon this world. You look at the history of Israel. Problem after problem after problem, tribulation upon tribulation. You look at the church history, and all you see that the church has constantly been in a flux and in a turmoil, going through tribulations. But wait a minute, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And we can overcome these trials and temptations uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because the world is defeated by Christ and Christ alone. He said, I have overcome the world. So COVID come, it's going to go. Uh, the flu comes, the flu's going to be gone. Uh, you know, presidents come and presidents go. And uh, you say, well, I don't like who's got elected. Well, don't worry about it. It won't be long. He'll be gone. And uh, <laughs> what we need to do is just pray and ask God to continue to give us the faith to believe that he, we can overcome the obstacles in life in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the tribulations, because of the fact we have a spirit of gratitude. We never lose our joy because our attitude is right, because we're trusting in the living God. So they had a work of faith. Now, let's live our life with a spirit of a work of faith. But not only that, but they had a labor of love. Notice, notice in verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. When I think about labor of love, I think of this, that it responds to the love of God. And labor of love, it's responding to the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so the, responding to the love of God, you know, man responds to God's love. He does not initiate that love. God is the initiator of love. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. And so this responding to God's love, Jude verse chapter 1 and verse 21 says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And so in having the right attitude, having the right spirit in reference to this labor of love, if God so loved us, then certainly we can love him. Uh, you think of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Greater love hath no man than a man shall lay down his life for his friends. And so this labor of love demonstrated that they understood in a deep way that God had loved them so fervently that God would deliver them from the bondage of their sin, and they were just simply responding to that love. You know, you tell people, you know, hey, God loves you, 
and you need to be saved, and they just won't respond. Uh, you tell people, to, wait a minute, you know, the Bible tells us that we're all sinners. Oh, I'm not a sinner. Yes, but you understand that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so they don't want to respond to the love of God. And so Paul was uh, uh, thankful for their spirit, for the attitude that they had. Not only did they have a work of faith, but they had a labor of love because they were willing to respond to the love of God. But also, this labor of love relates to the children of God. And because God loves us, then we ought to love one another. And, uh, and was it 1 John chapter 4 and verse 11 tells us, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. And so this relating to the children of God, we relate to one another. We love each other based on the reality that God loves us. We often say, well, you know, I just don't like so-and-so. I don't love so-and-so. No, no, you, you don't have that privilege to say that. You don't have that right to respond that way. Uh, the spirit of gratitude that's in us creates in us a labor of love based on the fact that God loves us personally, and because that, now we can love one another. And uh, we are a part of the same family. And uh, family members have conflicts. Every family has conflicts. In the church, in the body of Christ, in the bride of Christ, there's conflicts. But what holds us together, what is the glue that, that holds us together, is the love of Christ. For the love of Christ constraineth us. And that literally means glues us together. It holds us together. And why is that? Because it's a labor of love. And so we ought to love one another. And uh, if we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And so the evidence that we are a child of God, the evidence that we have been born again, is the fact that we have love for one another. Because our love for each other uh, perfects the love of God that's in our hearts. And the world needs to see that. The, wor the world is so full of hatred. It's amazing just to watch comments that people make uh, just because they disagree with one another. And just the attitude of hatefulness that is demonstrated, uh, the world needs to see something different in the Christian. The world needs to see that as a Christian, no matter what goes on in the world, our attitude is we're thankful to God and we're thankful for each other because God loved us, we can love one another. And so uh, it relates to the children of God. Notice not only did they have a work of faith and a labor of love, but it tells us there he had patience of hope. In verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. So patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice it was a continued testimony. And Paul's rejoicing in the fact that they were continuing in the faith and they were walking with the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 reminds us that we are to continue our walk with God and our relationship uh, with each other. And oh, if I get over there, I'm in the wrong chapter. Sorry about that. And uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 
says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so this matter of a continued testimony, uh, if you got saved and you were excited about being saved 30 years ago, it is important for you to be saved and excited about being saved these 30 years later. And we're supposed to be steadfast, unmovable. You say, well, things have changed in my life. Uh, God has not changed. And God wants to work in your life. And the testimony that you have that creates an environment of gratitude and thankfulness is that we're steadfast and we are unmovable because we know this, that no matter what you do for the Lord, it's not in vain. We know that our labor is not in vain. You say, well, I've, I used to serve God, but I don't anymore because nobody recognized me. It doesn't matter if somebody recognized you or not. Does the Lord know what you're doing? Does the Lord know what, what he wants you to do and what he wants you to accomplish? And so we need to be steadfast, always moving ahead, a patience in our hope that we have. Jesus Christ is coming again, and if he is coming again, then that certainly means we ought to be working in, the, in our, our life, serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and always abounding in whatever it is that God opens up for us. What a privilege it is to be able to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. What a, what a privilege it is to be able to know that we are called the children of God. As many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, to know that we are a part of the family of God. We've been adopted into the family of God because of all these things. We have a right attitude. We have a right spirit. We rejoice that, wait a minute, we can still keep on for God no matter uh, how long we've been saved, no matter how old we may be. Uh, circumstances and situations may change. We may not be able to do maybe what you used to do, whatever it is, but we can still have the spirit of thanksgiving and praise because of the fact that God has given us hope for tomorrow. And that your hope might set your hope in God. That's what it says in the Psalms. And if we have our hope set in God, then certainly we can be thankful. You say, well, things just aren't the way they used to be. Well, just what is it that God's doing in your heart and life right now? What is it that he wants to accomplish in your life right now? What, what is he showing you and revealing to you about his character and his, con his concern and his desire for you right now? Be thankful for what the Lord is doing because it will give you a spirit to keep on going on for Jesus Christ. There, there, listen, there's hours and hours of, of uh, mechanical work that I've done in bus garages and everything else. And uh, nobody knows anything about those things. Nobody knows what took place. But God knows. And if God knows, then I can have the right spirit about that, and I can be thankful that God will give blessings and rewards no matter what anybody else knows or don't know or whatever. It doesn't matter. If the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, then let's walk with the Lord and continue in that testimony that people can say that, man, you know what? They've got a good spirit. They've got a good attitude. It's a blessing. Listen, it is a blessing to be able to talk to somebody who's been saved for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and they still have a great spirit about them. Amen. I remember when I was in Bible college, our music teacher, Mrs. Lehman, 
And uh, when we went to Bible college, they made us all, every one of us had to go down and sing Jesus Loves Me to Mrs. Lehman. And I was like, I don't sing. I just got done smoking three packs of cigarettes a day and went off to Bible college and, and I couldn't sing to begin with. And I went down there and had to sing for her. And, uh, and she was like, you need to take preacher's voice. And I talked to Mrs. Malone about that. She said, you need to take preacher's voice. And I'm like, well, what is that? Well, it teaches you how to project your voice and how to use your diaphragm and you know, it won't hurt your throat. And well, I'm all for that. I want to be able to preach and preach all day and uh, not hurt my throat. And I said, sure, I'll do that. It was a men's course. That's all it was. It was they taught you how to sing. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I, I remember this one, one fellow was in that class with me. I mean, he was so bad, he couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, I'm telling you. And uh, he, she would look at him with this worried look on her face all the time. Uh, she made me sing because I took private lessons with my wife, and she made me sing in uh, 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 this, I don't know, what was it called? Recital, there you go. It was a recital I had to sing, and uh, I got up there to sing. You weren't allowed to take any music up with you, and all these people, must have been six, 700 people there, Dr. Malone and Mrs. Malone right on the front row. And I get up there to sing, and I start singing, and I forgot the words. <laughs> and I stopped. Mrs. Malone, Mrs. Lehman was playing the piano, and I saw this worried look come on her face. And so I started to sing again, and then I forgot the words again. And everybody's starting to fidget. You know, you can sense they're starting to feel bad for you. They're starting to get worried whether you're going to get through or not. So I just said, hey, folks, don't worry. You know, I'll get through it. We'll be all right. And Mrs. Lehman, I thought she was going to have a heart attack on that bench. And I did get through it. You know, Lord, help me. She never asked me or required me to do another jewelry. And <laughs> praise God, amen. What, what you say, well, what are you talking about? You said all that to say what? That woman had the sweetest spirit about her. She had problems. She had difficulties you went through in her lifetime. She did not have an easy life. But I'm going to tell you, that woman always had a smile on her face. I, I can see her face right now. She, her cheeks were always rosy. She was always... Oh, Mr. Weigel. And she just always had a beautiful spirit about her. I never heard her complain about anything. And I, what, are you, what am I trying to say? I'm saying this. If we have patience in hope, we can have the right attitude that no matter what seemingly is falling apart around us, God is still on the throne, he's still in control, and I can still face tomorrow no matter what goes on. And so I can have a spirit of gratitude, I can be thankful uh, continually having a continued testimony because of the patience of my God. So I see a continued testimony. I see their patience of hope gave them also a confident expectation uh, they were looking for the Lord's coming. And Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our, the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Having a confident expectation. Jesus said he's coming and folks, he is coming. 
Uh, you know, COVID-19 isn't stopping him. You know, change in presidency isn't stopping him. You know, socialism doesn't stop him. Communism doesn't stop him. Uh, the reality is that Jesus said, if I go, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Confident expectation. Why should I be confident about the return of Christ? Because it gives me hope. And uh, I can have the right spirit and the right attitude. And you, you do realize that it is closer to Jesus' return today than it was in your life yesterday. And every day we're closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And so we can have a right spirit and right attitude. Paul said, I have a reason to show thanksgiving and praise for you. We give thanks to God always for you. Why? Because they had the right attitude. Secondly, I see this. They had the right action. Notice in verse 5, it says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men... We were among you for your sake, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Their action. Uh, first of all, they believed. They believed. And uh, our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. They believed, and they believed and responded to the power of the Holy Ghost. And the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, the promise in Acts chapter 1 was that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Uh, the Spirit of God is still available for us to be filled with. You're saved this morning. You've been baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. If you're saved this morning, you're a Holy Spirit of God indwells you and, and empowers you and is always with you. He never departs from you. And so you need to just surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit of God. We don't need any more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs more of us. And so uh, he said, you believed. I, I'm thankful that you believed and you responded based on the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God still brings conviction on the heart of men and women and boys and girls. The Spirit of God still can save people, the most wretched sinner that you can think of, the Holy Spirit can save. And, uh, you know, I just, I just think back uh, when I got saved, my dad got saved, my wife and I was talking about that the other day. My dad went and heard Dr. Malone uh, uh, preach, and he got saved at that service. And uh, he was, let's say I was 27 years old, so he was 47 years old when he got saved. Been an alcoholic all of his life. Uh, smoked three packs of cigarettes all of his life. And God saved him, delivered him from that alcohol. The power of the Holy Ghost to bring conviction. The Spirit of God can still save sinners if we'll get sinners under the gospel message. And Paul was thankful that they had faith to believe, and they believed in reference to the power of the Spirit of God, and then also in the joy of the Holy Ghost. Notice he says here in verse 5, But also in the power of the Holy Ghost and much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your, your sakes, 
And then in verse 6, you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, and here it is, with joy of the Holy Ghost. Joy of the Holy Ghost. I mean, evidence is that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit is when you lose your joy. The evidence is that you're not walking in the power of the Spirit of God is that you can't rejoice. And we don't rejoice in a morbid way over trials and afflictions and difficulties in life. We rejoice in a spiritual way because of the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God in us. And so it gives us a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving. He rejoiced. He was thankful for their action. They believed. But also he rejoiced in their action in reference they lived. Notice in verse 6, they lived following the leader. Says, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord. And so I'm thankful that he declares he was thankful for them because they were willing to follow those that God had put in their life. You know, children are to follow the leadership of their parents. You know, when we talk about as a human society that's organized, we follow the leadership of authorities in our life. We think of the church. God establishes means for leadership and authority in the church, and we follow the leaders that God puts in our life. Uh, we, we're living in an era of time in America where we don't think it's necessary to follow leadership. But God has established authorities, and God has established leadership. And Paul says, I'm thankful because you became followers of us. You know, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said, be followers of me as I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not talking about blind obedience and blind fellowship of somebody who's taking down a road of destruction. We're talking about acknowledging that God provides a way for us to follow others that are walking with him. You know, I always love reading about Enoch. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. I just wonder if Enoch was not worry, uh, worried about or concerned about following after the Lord as he was walking with him, he wouldn't have been taken. And I just know this, that we need to be thankful how God directs us in our action that we can live out this glorious life of following leadership in our life. So they followed the leader, but they led the believer. Amen, that rhymes, I like it. Verse 7, it says, so that you were in samples to all that believe in that Macedonia. See, they not only followed the leadership God put in their life, but they became a leader of someone else. And may I say this, someone may be teaching you, instructing you, discipling you in your Christian life, but you have an opportunity to teach and instruct someone else. So you follow the leader so you can leave the, lead the believer. And so he was thankful for them. He was, their action was they believed, they lived, and in verse 8, they preached. Notice they preached an expanded message. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. I mean, when they preached, they had a message that went from place to place to place to place to place. The testimony that they had of preaching the word of God. I'm thankful as for the anniversary, we're discussing and talking about how many people over the last 25 years 
that I've been here, I don't know too much how many before, but the 25 years I've been here, there is a multitude, I mean a multitude of people who are out in ministry that are from this church preaching the word of God. We have missionaries that we support all around the world. They're out preaching the word of God. What are they doing? They're expanding the message that we have here in Ocean County. And what an opportunity that is. What a, a privilege it is to know that we can expand the message. It was also an inclusive witness. And so, they, they, I mean, they included everything. In other words, he said that we need not to speak anything. He said, I didn't have to come along and clean up your problems and clean up your difficulties because you were so thorough, so complete in the witness that you had that uh, uh, there was nothing else I needed to say. And so he was thankful for their attitude. He was thankful for their actions. He was thankful in verse 9 and 10 for their anticipation. Uh, notice it was profitable worship in verse 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how that you turned to God. Profitable worship. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this. In the process of being worshipped, God communicates his presence to men. I, I wonder oftentimes if, if worship is profitable in your life, is it profitable in my life? I enjoyed that trio this morning. They sang during... Uh, the uh, revival meetings we had this past week, and they sang. I said, you're singing on Sunday, amen. Uh, you're not getting out of it, amen. We might make them do it again tonight, amen. <laughs> Profitable worship, uh, being stirred of God, knowing that in my spirit of worship, my anticipation of meeting with God, that God communicates to us his presence. The, you know, the Lord is in this place. It said in, in, in the scriptures, the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. I'm afraid so many times we forget that God is present with us. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together, I am in the midst. And we're not just being here to entertain one another or just to fellowship with one another. We are here to worship the living God. And when we worship the living God, it creates a spirit of anticipation for the Lord's move. A.W. Tozer said this, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God, that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Now, I read that quote, I was like, well, that's a good one there. He goes, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven, but I just don't like going to church. Oh, man, you're going to have some problems when you get to heaven. You're going to have an adjustment period up there, amen? And uh, listen, worship is getting the heart of the believer in tune with the reality of heaven where the presence of God is. And we need to worship God and be profitable in that. Matthew 4.10, then Jesus said unto them, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And if there's that priority that is established that we lift up the name of Jesus Christ, there'll be a spirit of anticipation that worship is profitable in my life. I see a profitable worship. I see a powerful service. 
It says, and how you turn from, uh, to God from idols to serve the living and true God. A powerful service. Charles Spurgeon said this, one of the greatest rewards that we ever receive for serving God is the permission to do still more for him. You kind of have this mindset sometimes that, well, I did this, so don't expect me to do it. I did teach Sunday school, but don't expect me to do it anymore. I did go soul winning, but, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore. No, the reality is God gives us anticipating heart, rejoicing in what God will do as we serve him. Because as we serve him, you may get done that job, but God still has something else for you to do. And we get to serve him again. Where am I here? Oh, Charles Spurgeon went on to say this. No life can surpass that of a man who quietly continues to serve God in the place where providence has placed him. I think sometimes we get this mindset when we, we wanted some big bubble to burst or something. The reality is God just wants us to be faithfully anticipating what he'll do through us as we serve him. Powerful service. Peaceful waiting. Notice in verse 10 it says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So peaceful waiting. I put the Job 19, verse 26 and 27 on the screen for you. It says, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in the flesh shall I see God. He believed in a bodily resurrection. Amen. Whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job lost everything that he had. I told my wife, I was talking with Dr. Shoemaker, you know, with COVID-19, you know, churches, you know, average church attendance is down. Uh, the churches are only uh, averaging about 60% of what they averaged before COVID-19 in attendance. And that's about right. That's about where we are. And I know there's people watching live stream. We're glad you folks are watching live stream this morning. Um, but the reality is, I told my wife and I told Dr. Shoemaker as we were talking, and I said, you know, I just feel like after 25 years, I guess I'm starting all over. Where the church is, what's going on, ministries that have been stopped, and everything else. So what do you do? Do you get a sour spirit? Do you get a bad attitude? Do you say that God still can't move or God can't do anything? Because of COVID-19 and people are afraid and this going on and that going on. No, no. We're patiently waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. We're at peace with that God is doing what he wants to do in the midst of everything that is going on. We're rejoicing that we still have the opportunity to see God move in a miraculous way. And because of that, I can still have a spirit of anticipation and thanksgiving and praise unto my God because he's greater than COVID-19. Philippians 3.20 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life, our, our lifestyle, everything that we are is as if we're in heaven already. 
George Whitfield said this, How sweet it is to rest after fatigue. How sweet will heaven be when our journey is ended. Uh, heaven's still our home, amen. We're just passing through this life, and God has something that he has for us, and we are in a spirit of gratitude anticipating what that'll be. And George Mueller said this, There is an intimate connection between the life of the Christian here and the enjoyment and the glory in the day of Christ's appearing. Don't disconnect with Christ. Don't disconnect with the reality of the promises of God. Don't disconnect and say, well, wait a minute, this Thanksgiving, you know, the governor said we can't have Thanksgiving in our house. Yeah, right. I'm not going to say any more about that. I'm on live stream right now. Amen. <laughs> it does not matter what is going on in the world. We do not have Thanksgiving because the world says we can have Thanksgiving. We have Thanksgiving because of what God has done in our heart. We have thanksgiving because we have the right attitude because we bear the right spirit. We have thanksgiving because of the action of the spirit of God moving and directing us in our life builds in us a spirit of anticipation of what is God going to do this year for thanksgiving. Amen. We give him the praise, we give him the glory for everything. And I'm telling you, the apostle Paul had some reasons to say I rejoice in thanksgiving and praise. And folks, we have something to rejoice in in reference to thanksgiving and praise. Don't let the world rob you of that joy. Share with someone this thanksgiving who Jesus Christ is. People are struggling. They're hurting. They're fearful. But reach out to them and give them hope, the same hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Say, hey, wait a minute. We have a reason to th be thankful. And go through and show them how they can be thankful. Amen. Let's bow for prayer. My Father, I come to you. I thank you so much for your many ways you've blessed us. We rejoice in the goodness of our God. And Lord, we, the goodness of God doesn't flow to us depending upon what's going on in the world. Lord, you just send it to us. And Lord, we're thankful for the promise that are true in the word. We're looking forward to what you're going to do in the future. And God, this Thanksgiving, we give you praise and we give you glory for everything. And so bless us. I pray if there's someone's listening by live stream, someone's here in the building, they're not sure they're saved, I pray they would come and talk to us, Lord. Give us the opportunity to take the Bible and show them how to find real hope, everlasting hope, through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to